and welcome back to another edition of 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Alongside me, as always, is John Paulson. JP, how are we doing today? I'm hanging in there. Anthony, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. You know, another day, another week. Uh, ready to talk about some tight ends. And, of course, we've got a little bit of news to cover as well. But before we get to all of that, tell us about the music. That is uh, a track by Michael Kiwanuka, who... Um, really has has come on the last few years and has just has a great sound so i would recommend that people go and uh, listen to his albums he's got looks like he's got three uh, studio albums and this is the second track off of his most recent one it's just uh, titled kiwanuka uh, the name of the track is rolling and uh, if you go back he's he's got two other good albums love and hate and uh, home again uh, you could check out cold little heart on love and hate you could check out uh, tell me a tale on home again uh, give you a pretty good idea of what his sounds like. So uh, check it out. Today's podcast, we're going to cover John's tight end rankings for 2020. We'll ask him about some values, some guys that might be a little bit overvalued in John's point of view, some guys that might be undervalued. Tight end tends to be a difficult position, so John will kind of give you an overview as well. We also got to talk about Dalvin Cook, some news on him over the last couple of days. But before we get to any of that on the podcast, I want to let you know that we're partnering with FFPC again this year to give 4 for 4 subscribers an opportunity to get an FFPC coupon if they sign up at 4 for 4 during the month of June. New FFPC users will get a $35 coupon, good for any league at FFPC. Returning FFPC users will get a $10 coupon. Just subscribe to 4 for 4 That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, 4 for 4 in June, and you'll receive instructions on how to redeem your coupon. We're also partnering with Pristine Auction to give one lucky subscriber an autographed Lamar Jackson jersey. Anyone subscribed by the end of June will automatically be entered to win. This includes those that subscribed earlier this year. Early bird pricing, don't forget, is 25% off. It's still in effect. It's a great time to subscribe to 444.com. John, I mentioned Dalvin Cook. He's not going to participate in any team activities until he receives a new contract. That's according to a source uh, by ESPN.com's Adam Schefter. He's out, a source told Schefter, without a reasonable extension. He will not be showing up for camp or beyond. ESPN's Courtney Cronin, who covers the Vikings for NFL Nation, also says that that Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook would would gladly take an offer in the $13 million per year range do you, do you see Dalvin Cook getting the money from the Vikings that he's that he's hoping for? How does this impact fantasy drafts and strategies moving forward? This is a little bit concerning, uh, especially given what happened with uh, Melvin Gordon last year. Uh, there was some concern about Zeke Elliott. Ultimately, the Cowboys got a deal done prior to the season. Um, Cook, I think I had at two or three in uh, PPR, half PPR formats prior to this news, and I moved him down to six. I'd still take him in the middle of the first round. Uh, you might start to get, you know, get into some debate, you know, versus Joe Mixon or Kenyon Drake or Aaron Jones or somebody like that, Miles Sanders perhaps. If this continues and it looks like the Vikings are going to be inflexible on this. Uh, he look, he wants quite a bit of money, um, which is understandable. Uh, the complicating factor here is this season is not normal. Um, the revenue coming in in 2020 is bound to be quite a bit less than what they were expecting. And there's already talk of the salary cap, uh, contracting next year. So whatever deal the Vikings make with cook, 
um, is going to have to take that into account. And I don't know if that's going to be, if, if Cook's camp is going to accept that in terms of the money he's going to be getting on a long-term deal. So um, I think that, you know, you look at the head coach there, Mike Zimmer, very run-oriented last year um, with Kevin Stefanski, an offensive coordinator, basically fired their OC the previous year because he was too pass-happy. Um, so very run-oriented. You know, how much do they value Cook in the organization? He was fantastic last year. I feel like they're going to, you know, get something done prior to the season, but there's definitely that concern now where there wasn't uh, prior to this news breaking. And at least we know, you know, in June that this is a, a factor for him um, when you're trying to draft him in these early best ball drafts. That was the only big news that we needed to cover throughout the course of the podcast today. So let's jump into John's rankings and his average draft position at, at, at that position. John, how do you normally approach the tight end position in fantasy drafts? I feel like this is one of the toughest positions to, to draft year in and year out. This is, you know, I, I actually like talking about tight ends, and I really like the, analyzing the, the tight end position in fantasy. Uh, there are people that want to get rid of tight ends because – you know, it's either too top heavy or there's just not enough depth or whatever. But I think that year after year, this is a great place to get an advantage over those owners that aren't paying attention or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, don't do enough research on some of these tight ends that are up and coming. Um, there's a lot of my draft plan for each year sort of relies on where I'm planning to get my tight end for that particular season. Um, whether it be a, a stud early in the draft or, you know, somebody that's up and coming late uh, in, this, in the, um, you know, late in the draft, uh, maybe a, a breakout candidate or two. Um, so it's actually one of my favorite things to analyze because it's, it just changes year to year and it can affect my draft plan so extensively. So I, I love talking about tight ends. And then what are you seeing at the tight end position specifically for 2020? So you go, you just went over your overall tight end draft approach, but specifically for 2020, what are you seeing? Yeah, I would say that typically over the last few years, I've been a pretty big advocate for a stud tight end, you know, drafting a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle or Zach Ertz in the first three, two or three rounds. I think it does give you um, a weapon at that position. Uh, typically the receiver position is more, is, is deeper um, and you can, uh, you know, get away with uh, waiting a round or two to grab your wide receiver one or two. Um, and then you end up with a, you know, basically a wide receiver one at the tight end position. And I still think there's merit to that approach. I just think that this season, there are so many uh, really appealing breakout candidates. Once you hit the double digit rounds that I'm planning uh, right now, unless there's something weird going on in the third round, um, where you know I'm just not I'm just not into the receivers or tight, uh, running backs that are there um, and want to go tight end. Uh, I'm probably going to be going late round tight end this year, drafting some of these breakout, maybe two of these breakout candidates, and hoping that one hits uh, while you know racking up uh, you know points, uh, expected points in the third round with a with another running backer. Um, a wide receiver that you know a, a stud in in that round let's start let's go over with the, your uh let's go over your top five for the tight end position and there seems to be consensus within the industry of who's the top five tight ends although the order might change differently depending on you know which which site you go to which insider you go with you have it this way john travis kelsey george kittle mark andrews zach ertz and darren waller it's interesting to see zach ertz outside of your top three since he's been there for so long any thoughts on him specifically yeah i think he's just uh you know starting to get pinched with the addition of uh jalen rieger uh at receiver deshaun jackson's going to be back 
Uh, Dallas Goddard is is there. Alshon Jeffrey is supposed to be healthy. Um, so I think it's more of a, a miles defeat situation for Ertz, whereas Mark Andrews, who actually finished ahead of Ertz on a per game basis uh, last year, is is the you know probably the number one. I mean, honestly, he's the number one uh, passing option in that uh, Baltimore offense, which is not as prolific maybe as the Philly offense, but. Um, you know, lots of touchdowns. They take their shots. They, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson loves throwing to Andrews. So I would take him over Ertz at this point uh, in, in the draft season. All right. Even though you're planning to draft value at tight ends, would you talk about anyone uh, out of drafting Kelsey or Kittle in the second round? So would you, in other words, if I'm saying, hey, listen, Kelsey, Kittle, they're in the second round. I know those are the top guys. I know that I know what I'm getting from those those two players. Would you talk anyone? Would you talk me out of drafting Kelsey or Kittle in the second not, round? Not at all. And you know, you by getting you're drafting Kittle, uh, Kittle or Kelsey, um, or even Mark Andrews in the third. Uh, you're getting a built-in advantage at the tight end position that it's hard to get elsewhere. You know, you, you can draft a, a running back or a receiver in the late second round, but they're not maybe not as uh, that much better than who, who's available in the third round or the fifth round or the sixth round. So, um, I think you with with Kelsey and Kittle and Andrews to a certain you know extent, you're getting targets that may not be available to you know at tight end later in the draft. You're certainly getting a certain uh, you're you're drafting more uncertainty if you wait on the tight end position, but I think um, by be, by drafting two, you know, tenth round or later, uh, you're giving yourself enough uh, of a chance, enough coverage to to get a guy who's going to probably finish in the top ten. Um, but you know, you're sitting there in the middle or late second round, and Kittle's on the board. I have no problem with that at all. I'm not going to talk anyone out of that. So we mentioned that you had Darren Waller, the Las Vegas Raiders tight end, in your top five. He's coming off a breakout year in 2019 as a 27-year-old. He was targeted 117 times, which is nice considering that, I mean, John, in total in his previous three years, two in Baltimore, one in Oakland, he was targeted a total of 29 times in three years. Last year, like I mentioned, 117 targets, 90 receptions, 1,145 yards, and three touchdowns. What's your take on Waller after his breakout campaign? Well, there's two things. One, I want to congratulate you not calling him uh, the Oakland Raiders. I don't know how many podcasts it took for us to, to stop calling the Chargers San Diego Chargers after they moved to L.A., um, so congratulations there. You're ahead of the game. I'm sure I'm going to call him the Oakland Raiders. Um, but, but Waller also would like to mention with Waller and Mark Andrews, those they were two, fa- you know, the favorite uh, breakout candidates last year. And now we're talking about them, you know, as guys that finish in the top five and, and are going to be drafted in the top five. So just want to under, underscore that. Um, Waller is a bit concerning. I think I think he's great. You know, he's obviously you know saw a ton of targets last year. Very athletic, super talented. Um, the concern there is that he's going from being the number one option, and he still might be the number one option on his team, but they really went heavy receiver. Uh, Tyrell Williams is supposed to be uh, – they went heavy receiver in the draft with Ruggs and uh, Edwards and uh, uh, Lyndon Bowden, who's a pass-catching running back, a wide receiver hybrid. Um, you know, Tyrell Williams should be back. Uh, so this is a situation where you should not expect Waller to see the same number of targets that he saw last year. I just don't – think it's possible unless they really increase their uh, you know their their passing versus their rushing um or the offense gets to be a lot more productive and it was actually pretty decent last year so um i don't mind waller at all in the fifth sixth round um i think he's 
he's fine there, uh, especially if you get to a point where you just don't like any of the receivers or running backs on the board or you, you, you're going to target uh, – you have guys in the sixth, seventh round that you want to target those positions, so you can t- afford to take Waller there. Uh, I just don't see him finishing in the top three again. All right, your next five are Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, Jared Cook, and Rob Gronkowski. I, I should mention that you project Ingram, Henry, Higby within a point in your half PPR ranking, so it's very close between those three guys. What do you make of this group of tight ends? Yeah, I'm not really getting a lot of these guys in my my early drafts because uh, you know once I get to this point in the draft, if I don't have a tight end, I'm typically waiting uh, until the later rounds to draft some of the guys we're going to talk about soon. But there, there are some appealing players here. If they do slip, you know, into the seventh, eighth, ninth round, I might pull the trigger on them. Um, Cook was, Jared Cook is really interesting to me. We always have to talk about Jared Cook. It's one of our rules on the podcast. I know you love him from his days at St. Louis. Um, but, um, he was the number one tight end from week 10 on. Uh, this is after he got back from injury uh, Drew Brees was back from injury, and you know this was his first season in New Orleans. Uh, he had a, got a little bit of a slow start uh, last year, and then uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in, and then it wasn't until um, the third or fourth game with with Bridgewater that he you know sort of you know caught a touchdown and established himself as a as a as a threat in that offense. Uh, then he got injured, and then which is fairly common for him, uh, you know I'll, I'll concede that. Uh, but from week 10 on, he was number one to fantasy tight end. You know, he's going 9 or 10th off the board. Uh, I think the complicating factor here is the Emmanuel Sanders signing. Uh, and I think that is going to limit his upside in terms of his weekly targets because, uh, you know, they didn't sign Sanders to, to get three or four targets a game like uh, Traquan Smith was getting or Ted Ginn was getting. So um, I think Sanders comes in and takes some targets from Michael Thomas and he takes might take some targets from Jared Cook as well. But uh, Cook is still, uh, I think, a, a low-end tight end one in that offense. Um, Tyler Higby just blew up last year. I just want to run down his game logs for people that have forgotten. Um, he had seven for 107 and a touchdown, seven for 116, 12 for 111, nine for 104, and eight for 84 and a touchdown in his last five weeks. And that was on 55, 56 combined targets. Uh, Gerald Everett was out for the first three games and then came back for the last two games. Uh, the Rams played more uh, 12, uh, two tight end sets. Last year, uh, late last year, as they were trying to counteract some of the defensive, uh, the ways that the defenses were attacking their offense. Um, and it's not clear, I think, at this point that, you know, Higby is a, just a stud tight end now, uh, or if that was just a function of what they were scrambling to do in that offense late last year to try to win games. Um, I do I do think he's appealing seventh, eighth round, um, again, with what's whatever's going on in the draft at that point. Um, but... You know, there are a couple guys later on that I think I'd rather have at their at their ADP. Um, and quickly, you know, Hunter Henry, he's got a quarterback change. I love Hunter Henry, but, uh, you know, losing Phillip Rivers and going to Tyrod Taylor definitely uh, shrinks the passing game pie in that offense. And you just it's uncertainty in terms of how much Tyrod is going to uh, target Henry early in that, you know, this season. Uh, Evan Ingram is super productive when he's healthy. Um, you know, staying healthy is an issue for him. And that offense has is pretty packed with receiving options. So there's some competition for targets uh, there. I think he can produce as well, but at his ADP, I'm, I'm usually passing on him. And uh, Rob Gronkowski is, is interesting. I'm very, you know, I, I want to see him play and, um, you know, h- how he looks after a, a year off. I think he'll come into that offense. I don't think he'll be a 90, 100% 
type snap guy, uh, especially with OJ Howard there, you know, capable Cameron Braid there, capable of playing some snaps. Um, they'll probably limit him uh, to keep him healthy. He's, you know, he's older now. But you know, he when we last saw him, he was pr- producing at a high end tight end two, low end tight end one type level. It wasn't the Gronk that we knew, you know, from five six years ago, where he was catching you know fifteen touchdowns in a season. Uh, but he's got a great rapport, obviously, with Tom Brady. Uh, this is going to be a very, I think, a very pass happy uh, attack, and um, you know, he's he's going to produce, especially around in the in the red zone. I just, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see the, the Gronk of old there. As we work through John's tight end rankings, the next group of tight ends is where things get incredibly interesting. You've got Hayden Hurst, who was acquired from the Ravens for a second-round pick, so he winds up in Atlanta. Matt Ryan has had some glowing reviews on Hayden Hurst, but of course, everybody's in the best shape of their lives right now. Everybody's a perfect mm-hmm. fit. Everybody's the fastest and all that, John, uh, which I know you know how to weed through the crap. Uh, Austin Hooper who Hayden Hurst is essentially replacing in Atlanta. He signed a big free agent contract with the Cleveland Browns this offseason. Blake Jarwin, Mike Gusecki, Jonu Smith, Jack Doyle, Ian Thomas, Dallas Goddard, Eric Ebron, and TJ Hawkinson. Those are the, the following. Uh, in those, those are the tight ends in order for that next group behind the, the guys that we've already talked about. So that takes us through tight end 20. Who stands out in that group? Well, there are... There are five breakout players um, in this group that I'd like to talk about. So Hayden Hurst is the number one guy, and I see that the fantasy community has definitely caught on. Um, I've had to take him in in tight end premium leagues. I took him in the seventh round. That's where he's going in um, FFPC drafts. Uh, I can see at best ball tens he's still going uh, in the tenth round. So I think that's a, just a fantastic value there in, in a full PPR format. Um, but looking at him coming over from you know Baltimore, he was stuck behind Mark Andrews, uh, former first round pick, I believe. Uh, Matt Ryan, you know, I'd rather have Matt Ryan raving about him than not saying anything about him or saying anything negative. So right. um, I'm happy about that. Um, but per uh, PFF, he averaged 1.69 yards per route run last year, um, which was you know in the I think it was in the 10 to 12 range uh, in the league, and it was you know the same as Zach Ertz. It was higher than Hunter Henry. It was higher than Austin Hooper himself. Uh, so that's a, you know, yards per route run is a pretty good indicator of talent and you know, a player that might break out because you're looking at, you know, routes run, his routes run were lower than some of these other players, but when he was on the field, he produced. Um, Hooper had 97 targets in 13 games last year. So I, you know, I think they, once Hooper was signed elsewhere, they immediately went out and got Hurst. I think it's clear what they want to do with him. Um, so I, I think in the 10th round in PPR, ninth round in PPR, normal normal PPR drafts, I think he's a great value, uh, has a chance to finish in the top 10 for sure. Um, I still like Blake Jarwin. Uh, I know some of the fantasy communities off of him now because they drafted, uh, the Cowboys drafted uh, CeeDee Lamb. Um, but CeeDee Lamb, you know, replaced uh, Randall Cobb, who had a pretty big role in that offense. And Jarwin was always, for me, the boost he was getting was because Witten, Jason Witten signed elsewhere. So if you look at Jarwin, another very high in, uh, he was eighth in uh, yards per route run in 2019. I think he was pretty high the previous year. Um, and if he gets most of Witten's usage, he might run 800 routes this year in, in an offense that he's familiar with, with a, you know, a good quarterback, Dak Prescott. Um, and then there's just talent all over that receiving core. So they aren't going to be able to double him or, 
he should be able to get open pretty easily in that offense. And they just extended him for three year a three year contract, so I think that shows intent. So I still like Jarwin, and, and his price is falling because of the Lamb pick. So he, I think he's an extra good value now. Um, Mike Kosicki uh, is intriguing. Uh, he ran uh, the most, per, the highest percentage of his routes were out of the slot among at his position. Uh, so that indicates that the, the the team thinks he's more of a receiver than a you know blocker. Um, the only concerns I have about him is that uh, you know he his usage spiked when Preston Williams went out with injury. Um, so it's sort of the same concerns I have about Devontae Parker is that Williams was the number one option in that offense you know at the start of the season. Uh, his injury then opened up opportunity for Parker and for Gesicki. So uh, that's a little bit of a concern there. Uh, Gesicki didn't see. Uh, as high a percentage of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, targets, uh, you know, uh, with Williams, um, you know, when Williams was in there. So um, that's a little bit of a concern there, but he's a super athletic tight end and he's, you know, entering his third season now. And this is when tight ends tend to break out. So he's definitely a candidate that I'd look at um, in these, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th rounds. Uh, Janu Smith for the Titans, great athlete. Um, We've seen a preview of what he can do. He had, you know, his rookie season, he didn't do much after Jelani Waki got, got injured, but towards the end of the season, he finished pretty strong. He had two for 33 and a touchdown, three for 45 and a touchdown, six for 44 and two for 63 and a touchdown in a four-game stretch from week nine to week 12. Last year, you know, Walker went down in week seven, um, and that's when Johnny Smith's playing time uh, spiked again. He had 60-plus yards and or scored a touchdown in five of his last 10 games, um, and he had the... He was in there at number eight uh, yards per route run among tight ends as well per PFF. Um, he, you know, week seven on, he basically played at a low tight end one pace, um, and he's you know going in the middle to late tight end two rankings uh, in drafts. I, I just you know looking at his athleticism and their opportunity in that offense. You know, after AJ Brown, they, they are desperate for playmakers there, and if they just scheme him the ball. Um, he will produce. He's already shown that he can, and if they get him five to eight targets a game, he's going to end up in the tight end one uh, rankings um, at the end of the season. Uh, and then uh, lastly, Ian Thomas, very productive player. You know, once Greg Olson, uh, you know, left the lineup, he had produced at a 62 catch, 619 yard, 5.3 touchdown pace with um, Greg Olson out in nine games over the last two seasons, uh, 6.1 targets per game. Um, so there, but there are some moving parts in Carolina that are a little bit, you know, make it a little bit fuzzy with, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater coming in at quarterback. They added Robbie Anderson as a free agent. Um, so you wonder if his targets are going to stay at that 6.1 level or higher, but you know, he's, um, improving, you know, young player improving, going to step into an every down role there as well. So, you know, he's, he's going a little bit later than these other guys I mentioned. And I think he's a nice value as well. All right, John, I know that I kind of covered a lot of tight ends in that group. You went over your top five from that group. Do you want to touch on any other tight ends from that, that group specifically? Yeah, the guys I didn't mention, I'm just not – maybe I'm not as high on, um, but they still, you know, are okay in, the, in those double-digit rounds if you miss out on these guys that I think are breakout candidates. I mean, I think Austin Hooper, um, you know, he signed such a big deal with Cleveland, you'd have to think that they'd have him quite involved in this offense. But, you know, he's joining a team that – uh, is probably going to be run heavy under Kevin Stefanski. And we can talk more about the Browns as the summer moves on. Like, you know, was Kevin Stefanski 
so run heavy because that's what Mike Zimmer wanted or is this his true nature? Uh, I think that's one of the biggest questions this summer uh, trying to parse out this Cleveland offense, but he's joining a run heavy team uh, that already has two target hog receivers in Adol Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry. So, uh, you know, I wonder about Hooper's targets. I think Jack Doyle is a great kind of boring, great value in the middle or in the, in the double digit rounds because Ebron's gone. Uh, Doyle should play, you know, 80 plus percent of the snaps Philip Rivers is in there at, at quarterback. Everybody knows that he loves throwing to his tight end. Uh, Doyle should just eat, you know gobble up, soak up um, targets, and should be you know a top ten PPR guy if he could play a full season. I think the concern with him is you know injuries and age and that type of stuff. But he's not you know he's not as exciting as some of these breakout stars. But he's he's available um, and you know as part of a you know maybe if you if you nab a Hurst or you nab a Jarwin and you want to add Doyle, um, you know you've got a pretty good little committee there that you can, and even if your breakout player doesn't pan out, you've got Doyle there and he has a good chance of finishing the top 10 as well, just because of volume. Um, Dallas Goddard, you know, if, if Zach Ertz were to go down, he's got top five upside easy. Uh, that's a, just another case of miles to feed and Philly. Um, Ebron is pretty interesting heading to uh, Pittsburgh now with Ben, Ro- Ben Roethlisberger back. I think Ebron will be his primary red zone target. Um, he has leading, uh, he's led the league in tight, uh, touchdowns at his position, uh, over the last two seasons. So, uh, I think he will be the primary red zone threat there. His top 10, top five potential, um, is dependent on whether or not he, what kind of snaps he plays. Is he going to be a 60% snap guy? Or is he going to be 80, 90% snap guy? I think that's, that's the key for him. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is interesting, you know, second year, you know, former first rounder had a huge game against Arizona six for one thirty one and a touchdown. And then just never really, uh, he had one other good game, I think, or one other decent game. Um, uh, but you know, good athlete, uh, Matthew Stafford being back should help, but those two just didn't connect very well after the first game. And, you know, he had quite a few uncatchable targets. So you kind of wonder about their chemistry. Um, but I, you know, I'm a little low on him because I have some of these other guys higher, but he's a, he's another guy going in that, uh, ninth to 12th range and, uh, is, is a pretty good value there. All right. There are a few interesting names in your next five. They include Chris Herndon, Noah Fant, Greg Olson, Darren Fells, and Jay Sternberger. What, what stands out about this next group? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe Darren Fells isn't that interesting. He just happens to be the tight, starting tight end for Houston, but the other four are compelling plays for different reasons. But Chris Herndon had one of the better you know rookie seasons for a tight end. Um, he had the 14th best fantasy season since 2000 for a rookie tight end, and you know he missed all last year. Um, he had 30, uh, he had 39 for 502 and four as a rookie, and apparently they can't wait to unleash him. So. Uh, one of my concerns was that Ryan Griffin, you know, had such a good stretch there last year that he might eat into Hernan's targets, but it sounds like Hernan is, is the clear tight end one there. So, you know, you get into these, you know, he's going a little bit later than the guys we just talked about. Um, so if you miss out on them, you've got, you could definitely pick up Herndon as your tight end too. And, uh, you know, you have another breakout candidate there. Um Noah Fant, I'm low on uh, compared to my peers, and it's not nothing to do with his ability or athletic ability or anything like that. But they drafted uh, the Broncos drafted Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, and they added Melvin Gordon, who's kind of a you know pretty good pass catcher as well. So I just think his targets are going to get pinched. He's going to be third or fourth probably in targets there. Um, so that worries me a little bit. 
and then Greg Olson. Um, you know, going to Seattle, uh, when he's healthy, he's going to probably produce at tight end one levels, you know, you know, probably in that eight to 12 range because of, uh, especially PPR because uh, Russell Wilson does love to throw to his tight ends. He's been doing it for years. He's made stars out of guys like Will Disley and Jacob Hollister and um, other, other, uh, you know, Luke Wilson was Luke Wilson. There's another Will. It was Wilson cat that, (laughs) that had some good games as well. I don't know if that's Luke Wilson or somebody else, but anyway, it's uh, Jay, uh, Jay Sternberger is the uh, other guy that you mentioned. Um, Stepping in, uh, likely stepping in as a starter for Green Bay, uh, but he's got one career target. So you know everybody's excited about him, and that's great. Um, I definitely would pick him up as a two or three, you know, second or third tight end as a breakout candidate. Um, but I just, uh, you know, basically it was a lost season last year for him. Rookie tight ends don't tend to tend to do much, uh, so I'm not counting on him finishing, you know, higher than 15. But it's a possibility. Uh, the the Packers obviously are. Desperate for playmakers as well. They didn't draft your wide receiver, um, as everybody knows. Uh, they got Devin Funches in the free agency, and that was about it. So with Jimmy Graham gone, there is a, a role for Sternberger in this offense if he can stay healthy and and, and take it. Um, the, the you know the question is he's got nothing to show. He's got nothing that he's shown us in the NFL that he, that you know justifies taking him with a you know a high pick. But luckily, he's not going very high at all, though I do see some steam uh, right, you know, increasing with his uh, hype train a little bit within the in- industry. So um, it just depends on where he's going and what my team needs at that point. He's not s- somebody I'm actively targeting, but that might change over the summer if there's some good buzz about him in camp. All right, any other tight ends that you'd like to discuss today? Are there going to be any camp battles that you're monitoring? I mean, we, we really covered the, a lot of the ground uh, for most of your thoughts and your rankings for the tight ends, but anybody else that really stands out that for you might be undervalued or maybe you've got thoughts based on kind of what you're hearing in the industry? Yeah, we're sort of past the point of like, oh, I'm pretty excited that this guy's still on the board type level plays, but you know, the Minnesota tight ends, um, Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, uh, I want to see what's going on there. If, if, if Smith, you know, becomes a starter, uh, and Rudolph is more in a backup role, that would obviously move Smith up the board a little bit. Uh, but you know, as of last year, they were, you know, kind of co-tight end ones there. Um, Tyler Eifert, his health—if he stays healthy and you know—is develops a nice rapport with uh, Gardner Minshew and. You know, Jacksonville's been looking for a good tight end there for for quite a few years, and you know, he's he's obviously been a tight end uh, or a touchdown producer for Cincy for quite a while whenever he's healthy. Um, so he's somebody to monitor. OJ Howard is interesting as well. You know, very high in the yards per route run metric at, at PFF. You know, there there's talk of um, Howard playing in a lot of two tight end sets with Gronk. Uh, you know, twelve might be the base set for Tampa this year. Um, and if that's the case and Howard's playing 70, 80%, you know, maybe he gets some new life with, uh, with Tom Brady there at quarterback and, and, uh, you know, bigger role in that offense. But, uh, you got, you, you know, he's got to be tearing up camp or there's be reports of him tearing up camp for me to start getting excited about OJ Howard again. 
All right, that wraps it up for today. Do us a favor, rate and review the podcast on iTunes and or follow the podcast on Spotify. Don't forget about the FFPC promotion and the autographed Lamar Jackson jersey giveaway throughout the month of June. And of course, early bird pricing right now, 4for4.com is still going on. It's 25% off. It's still in effect. So subscribe to 4for4.com today. Early bird pricing, 25% off. You've been on the fence at all over the last couple of years. I want to give it a shot now. 25% off. Not going to get better than this. So make sure that you uh, subscribe. And again, do us a favor, review the podcast on iTunes and or follow the podcast on Spotify. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. Oh!